Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Look at him there, sitting on the couch, pretending to care about the Bundesliga. Is that a slice of Black Forest Ghetto? It is! Oh, it doesn't get any more German than that! This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from the Tuck Crackers ad. It's... Totally Crackers. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for reminding me of the highlight of my... Oeuvre. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get right much word? better. Oeuvre? I don't, well. Oeuvre. Oeuvre. Um, it's, it's one of those that's got all the vowels in it. Mm. They've squeezed most of the vowels into that one word. It's almost if as if seen, they've taken it from a from another language or something. If you haven't seen the Tuckcracker ad, firstly, what, what are you doing with your life? Mm. I mean, maybe you don't live in Belgium and don't watch adverts on telly, but if you do, you will doubtless have seen it. Yeah. If not, it's on YouTube. Can I ask a question about that ad? Yeah, anything you like. Okay. I know it's 15 seconds of glorious television, but... Sure. Who was the... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Who, who was in charge of wardrobe that day? <laughs> uh, there's a whole department. There was two two people, I believe, and that was their whole job on the thing, to tell us what to wear. And did you have any choice in the matter or did they just say to you look james you are going to wear the most unflattering gray yeah. polo neck jumper sure. that we can find that was the look that they wanted they were like who buys crackers we think it's registered sex offenders <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what we're going to dress you as for the purposes of this advert yeah uh, you've thrown me on a loop there, in fairness. <laughs> I like crackers, and now I'm beginning to doubt myself. No, I mean, it is an extraordinary look. Mm. Uh, as I say, go to YouTube, tuck, type Tuck Totally Crackers, and you'll see someone who looks an awful lot like me, uh, but is dressed... I don't know. How would you describe it? Um, Like a kind of... <sighs> Like a sort of tall pencil. Like mm. someone brought the inside of a pencil to life and put a head <laughs> yeah. on it. That's not an actor. That's just a pencil masquerading as an actor. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, it's not uh, great because, you know, the other people, I'm sure, I can't remember what the other people are wearing, but I vividly remember what you're wearing. Uh, sure. I'm going to have to look it up here now. Uh, I think someone's wearing dungarees. I think my friend uh, Becca's wearing dungarees. That's all I really know. Okay, let me have a look here. It's it, There's four friends in the ad, you know, four, hanging out together. That's but right. But one of them is a psychotic, you know, killer, and that's me. Yeah. 
Um, looks like Gilbert Gottfried was right. Okay, denim shirt is is the person that you're playing with. The other person's wearing kind of like a striped uh, top and jeans, and the other yeah. guy's wearing like a red t-shirt or jumper type thing. But only you have got this roll neck. I don't. Yeah, I think I'm obviously supposed to be. You know how in every friendship group, um, there's that one uh, wanker. Wanker, yeah. <laughs> In every friendship group, there's that person that you absolutely hate. Mm. I'm that guy. You're that guy. Okay. Well, look, there we go. It, it, it is, it was, it will always be totally crackers. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, the polo neck now is in fashion. I mean, I, I don't know if it's something Pep Guardiola has kind of instigated, but you can't move for polo necks in London at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's got, I, it's got to be like a black one. Like a tactical, sure. tactical turtleneck, a tactile neck, if you like. There's a lot of people wearing sort of, you know, smart clothes with polo necks happening. Mm. And I, I don't like it. I, I hate wearing polo necks anyway. It feels like your clothes are strangling you. I quite like one in the winter if it's the right size, but it's got to be exactly right. If it's too high, it's it it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if it's too low, it's just not doing the job it's supposed to do. So you've got to find the Goldilocks polo neck. You have to um, get it tailored to your specific neck. Yeah, exactly. And we all have different size necks. Anyway, listen, let's move on from this um, okay. stunningly interesting conversation. And I just want to say congratulations to you because this is episode 350, which is kind of a land Mark episode, the, the Mesut Ozil salary episode of the Arsecast Extra. <laughs> and and it, is my salary going to be raised in accordance uh, to Mesut Ozil's level now? Um, well, yes, sure. Why not? You've been just as productive as he has. Fair to say. Uh, that's very fair. That's very fair. <laughs> I, yeah, 350. I mean, wow, it's great that it's a landmark episode. It's a shame that it comes at a time when there really is so little to discuss. I know. I wish there was some football, but there you go. There's not much we can do about that. Who would have thought that, like, by uh, episode 350, we'd be living in a time when football was no longer a thing? Well, certainly not in the Premier League. We know it's coming back, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll talk about the training and, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I would have thought we'd be, well, I guess we would be doing, like, a post-season kind of review, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, when would was we? the FA Cup? In fact, this is our celebrating the F- winning the FA Cup podcast. Yeah, we would have just won the, the FA final Cup. final would have been on Saturday. We'd be hung over to bits still. Mm. But, you know, enjoying the fact that we won the, the FA Cup again. We I wonder what people... Parade, maybe I yesterday. wonder what the people who, you know, sort of dismiss the FA Cup, you know, as a thing that ah, nobody cares. Nobody cares about the FA Cup these days. It's pointless. It's worthless. Nobody gives a shit. I wonder would they really like it now if we were to have won it this season? I oh, suspect yeah. so. I mean, I'm quite excited. It's weird because there's been no discussion really about the FA Cup coming back. Uh, and even the clubs, as far as I understand it, are pretty unclear on, on mm. what the plan is there. But given that sort of the rest of the Premier League is going to be really weird and we're ninth and, you know, it's not necessarily the most exciting thing in the world... I'm quite hyped about us being in the FA Cup. I mean, I really want that back. We're, what, uh, quarter-finalists at this Yeah, time. who are we playing? I've forgotten. Sheffield United. Sheffield United. Away. Okay, tricky game. Good team. But, 
giving us problems. Mm. We're at big empty Wembley uh, <laughs> for the semi-final. Here's the thing. Uh, Here's the thing. It, you know, seeing as it's like um, neutral or, you know, nobody's allowed into football grounds anymore, why have the semi-finals at Wembley? The only reason they do it is because they can fill up the ground and make money out of it. Mm-hmm. If they're not going to make money out of it, why not, you know, do a bit of a throwback to the old days where you would have, you know, the 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 semi-finals take place at neutral venues like Villa Park or Old Trafford or whatever it was. Uh, you would play the, the, the semi-final there rather than Wembley, which mm-hmm. I've always felt is some, it takes away a little bit from the, the competition. It's contributed to the diminishment or the d- diminishization. I don't know. Uh, diminishing of the, the FA smallingness. Com- the, the, yeah, the re-tinyfication. <laughs> the re-smallification. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so why not, like in this day and age, just say, fuck it. Go back and do it at neutral venues. Don't play it at big em- empty Wembley. Play it at mediumly empty Villa Park or something like that. Play it at a non-league stadium or something, just as a bit of a treat for them, you know. I don't know, yeah. I mean, do you know what's weird is that all the games are going to have no crowds, right? And so mm. that should kind of be equally weird across them all. But I do feel like an FA Cup final will be particularly weird. Mm, that's you know a, what I mean? Yeah, a final because it's such a big occasion and, and everything else. Yeah. And will they still do things like when they come out on the pitch, have like fire and stuff, <laughs> but just like to silence. And then like a, a, a woman a mile away sings Abide With Me. We can hear the players attempting to join in out of tune. Yeah. It could be really, really weird. Yeah, imagine doing all that spectacular stuff for nobody. I mean, they could save money on fireworks, but I suppose we have to think about all the businesses in the world. The fireworks at football matches industry has taken a real hit in this period. You know, they they really need to, you know, to get back on their feet again. Yeah, throw them a bone. Yeah, that is a good question. I don't, I don't quite know. Um, So yeah, who knows when the FA Cup will happen? I mean, I wonder if it will happen. Kind of, you know, almost at the end of the season, it's like a little playoff. Yeah. They, they, I th- was it Jamie Carragher who, who mm. I think I saw tweeting about this um, over the weekend, saying, you know, because the Premier League schedule is going to be so weird, and they're going to have to play. I mean, they are going to have to play like a lot of games. Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday. You know that kind of a schedule, aren't they? They're going to have to play a couple of games a week, and they'll be to to get this thing done uh, in in some sort of uh, reasonable period to try at least to get back on uh, something of a normal schedule. Did I see that? Like the the French league have announced that it's going to be starting in August or the Bundesliga again is going to be starting in August. So it's more or less sort of back on. Yeah. So, you know, if there's going to be some sort of harmonization in the football calendar across Europe, you know, there's going to be pressure to play all the games in a pretty short period of time. So we might see all these Premier League games get done in what, three and a half, four weeks, something like that. There's nine games. So two games a week. And an mm. extra game maybe at the end, so four weeks, five weeks, something like that. And I think Carragher's suggestion was to play the FA Cup at the end in a kind of tournament playoff type thing. So you've got quarterfinal, semifinals, final, and you play them in, in a week or something mm. like that, like you might do in the final stages of a, a World Cup or a European Championships. That'd be quite exciting. Mm. It uh, would. Would have a kind of playoff feel to it, wouldn't it? Uh, and yeah, look, I mean, it's Arsenal's 
only chance of silverware in what remains of this season. So mm. I, I, I don't scoff at it. I mean, we, we definitely want it back. And they are back at London Colney. Yeah, them and their hair. Yeah, what's, I mean, interesting hairstyles all over the place. What were your immediate thoughts? I, I couldn't believe Aubameyang had let himself go as much as that. Um, for a guy who, you know, is is uh, obviously uh, someone who, who takes a great deal of uh, care over the styles that he has in his hair. So from one game to the next, he could have stars shaved into it or whatever it might be. You know, maybe the specialist barber that he goes to is closed down and he's been a good boy. He's been respecting the, the guidelines. Yeah. And, you know, he hasn't, for example, driven to, I don't know, Durham, where there might be an underground barber. Durham. Yeah, really good yeah. barbers in Durham uh, that, that might be I don't be think open. Dominic Cummings had any need of that. But, uh, or, you know, he's, you know, didn't want to get it all wild and... I guess, I guess. He's, <laughs> by the way, I, I mean, obviously this story is infuriating for lots of reasons, but the main reason it's infuriating is that I can't get over how small his face is for his head. It's really irritating me. Do you know what I mean? I kind of, I'm going to have to, I haven't really looked at him in any great detail, so I'm just going to have a don't, look at him now. Don't, because it stays with you, it's haunting. Oh, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Small face, big head. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it's gone all wrong. It's like he's mapped his face onto his head to like play an avatar of himself in a computer sure. game. Yeah. But he's not quite done it correctly. Well, look, let's, you know, let's steer ourselves away from this controversial topic because people might need a break from it, seeing as the only thing that has <laughs> been fair. on the news for the last uh, 48 hours or whatever it might be. Let's um, stick with, stick with hairstyle. Hair. Yeah, Aubameyang's hair. I thought Pablo Marie's hair was exceptional. It looks like he's got... You know, either great chops when it comes to doing it himself with his clippers and his scissors, or somebody within the family unit is a, is a keen hairdresser. Maybe um, his wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arteta flawless again. Of course, it's like how, how how is it possible? Just you know, it's you know the way they say if you let your hair grow and you 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 never wash it, it becomes kind of self cleaning. Mm. Do you ever hear that thing? Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that's just an excuse for people who want filthy, smelly hair to never wash it. But maybe Arteta's is like that. It's just sort of, it's self-cleaning. It shortens itself when it needs to. Stays in the exact same shape. It's sort of like a living organism on the top so of his head. to me, maybe it's just plastic, you know? Maybe it's not actually hair. It's just kind of, you know, like Action Man used mm. to have that sort of weird, what was that stuff? I don't know. You know what I mean? It was kind of scratchy surfaced. Mm. Like some um, kind of Velcro type. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Like Velcro hair. Uh, or maybe, like, maybe it's like fake grass, you know, where you just, he doesn't, he just hoovers it once a week mm. and it stays immaculate. But it's, it's impressive nonetheless. Danny Ceballos has, has sort of gone for kind of like a wild man look, hasn't he? He has a bit. He has a bit. He looks like, um, yeah, he, he just looks like he's said, fuck it, fuck it. Just grow it, see what happens. You know, when he came, he had that, you know, nice quiff and all perfectly modelled. Now he's just going, fuck it, fuck it. I'll, I'll go back to Spain and get it sorted there. I think, yeah, the thing is, if you, if you want, he, if he had sort of shortish hair and then he wants long hair, 
There is an awkward in-between phase, isn't there? I mean, there's just a degree of growing pains that he has to put up with. And maybe he's thought lockdown is the time to make that transition. But he's been caught a little bit short. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm right there at that mo- at the moment. I haven't cut my hair in ages because normally right. I just shave it. You know, I'm I'm trying all kinds of things at the moment, James, just to give life a little bit of variety. I wore yeah, sure. I, I wore pants the other day. Mm-hmm. I wore pants that new? for the first time in two months, <laughs> and I didn't what? care for it. Okay, I did okay. not care for it. And so, do you think that'll be a permanent lifestyle change? The I end of pants? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I just sort of have shorts. Put on a pair of football shorts or other shorts in the morning. Take the dogs out, and then it's like, well, what the fuck is the point of changing? I'm just you know around the house, and I wore pants to go somewhere, and it was like. Well, this feels very restrictive. How have we, as you know, an evolved species, allowed ourselves to to live in a world where we we cover our ourselves in this way? It's, it's for the sake of our American listeners. Mm. Do we mean underpants here? No, I mean, mean I meant a pair of jeans. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> Uh, I was like, sorry. I haven't worn underwear for two months and I'm never going to wear underwear. Oh, again. no, I definitely have been wearing underwear, but just not long trousers slash right. slacks, as you might call them over there. I Yeah, I have been wearing long trousers, but it won't surprise you to know they are predominantly tracksuit trousers. So I think I've worn jeans once mm. in lockdown and I, 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 I didn't like it. No, I it's, didn't. I just, uh, no. It's not for me anymore. Yeah, it's not for me anymore. Maybe what if I needed to break into a sprint, <laughs> exactly, or a lunge. <laughs> Too risky, particularly with the uh, you know with the with the lockdown. Um, you know the expanding waistline of lockdown. Um, yeah, that is, is an issue. You know, I caught sight of myself in the mirror yesterday, and I was like, ah, oh, this that has crept up on me. I must yeah, say. it sort of crept up on me a bit. I did like a completely carb-free week last week and, and lost some weight, which was good. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm not like the guy in the Monty Python film, you know, just one wafer thin mint, that guy. Mm. I'm not mm. quite there yet, but, you know, you can definitely feel the, the pounds creeping on because all you're doing is sitting around eating and drinking and stuff like that. So, Well, that is the best thing what, that there is to do. Pretty much. I know, but I feel like we could take some inspiration from somebody who returned to training this week. And we have a question here from Samuel Gilbert, who's at Samuel underscore Gilbert underscore on Twitter. He says, have you seen the photo of Lucas Torreira? I'd love to see you and I, Emery, try and make this man play number 10 now. Also, is that a bobblehead of himself on the table? I have seen that photo, actually. And... Yeah. Let's just say he and I have been spending lockdown in different ways. <laughs> We've not adopted the same regime. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what he looked like going into lockdown, but he's he's in terrific shape right now. I mean, he wasn't, uh, you know, Jan Mulby. No, exactly. He was exactly. not Andre Arshavin. In terms of his physique, he was, you know, in good shape, but he looks... Particularly, are you looking at the sculpted. picture now? I'm looking at the picture now. Yeah, who's that on his leg? Any idea? Little tattoo of a little face on his leg. It looks like Nelson Vivas. I think it must be Nelson Vivas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is. I mean, I assume a family member, but it looks like Nelson Vivas. 
I'm just or himself. Looking. I mean, it wouldn't be himself, would it? It does look a bit like him. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, it's either him or Nelson Vivas, or maybe like a sort of weird mixture of the two. Yeah. It's also funny in this photo, and it's worth seeking out. Maybe we'll post it in the notes or something. Yeah. But um, he's paused Breaking Bad what, to take the photo, and it looks like Brian Cranston is looking at him in real disgust. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? The selfie yeah. culture is ridiculous. Um, um, and yes, that does appear to be a little bobblehead Lucas Torreira, along with his three... What are they? Month uh, awards? Are they? Are Arsenal they man of, the of the match? Or man of the match? I can't tell when I zoom oh, I in on the photo. Man- yeah, it's difficult to see. Maybe they're man of the match, you know. Maybe they are. They could be man. And then he's got some sort of Arsenal award to the right. Maybe that's a player of the month. Yeah, these are Premier League ones, so I think they must be man of the match. I think could be. I'm just looking. Yeah. Yeah, they're familiar looking, aren't they? I mm. can see that being handed over at the end of a game. Um, what else? Why can we do tell they you? give them a Tetris shape? For man of the match. A cube. I don't know. They used to give him a bottle of champagne, but I don't mm. know if they do that anymore, do they? I don't know. Maybe they feel like, you know, giving people giant bottles of champagne on 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 television isn't the right thing to do. Maybe there are some other aspects to it, like, you know... I'm just... sure they wouldn't, unless they could get sponsorship for that champagne, in which case they would straight away. Of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of players don't drink for various different reasons, mm. Could be sporting, could be religious. So, yeah, I don't know. But they now give them, I mean, a murder weapon, essentially. Yeah, you could do it's some damage with that. It's a big old solid block. You could, I mean, yeah. that could be like an ITV drama. Mm. Premier League footballer armed with a man of the match award. He does look good. And, of course, you know, he, he was um, he was injured not long before the lockdown, wasn't he? You know, in our mm. one of the FA Cup games, I think. Of course, Yeah. He was out for the rest of the season, as far as we understood it. And now he's going to come back and score the winning goal in the FA Cup final. Wow, what a way to come back. What a way indeed. Um, Anything else strike you? um, From the training? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a great Uh, deal we could see, was there? No, I mean, I know they did a double session. uh, Or maybe it was two groups. They were there for sort of quite a long time on the day. Uh, today, they've been granted permission. What, what do the regulations say today? Have you seen them yet? I saw something about how the um, it was about returning to sport when it was safe to do so, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I mean, basically, basically they're allowed to train, I think, in bigger groups now or a greater proximity I don't know some, in some way the, the the parameters have shifted I mean that's the best way to tell you. So it's so now it would be up to the Premier League and the individual clubs to deal with the players to talk to the players about you know whether exactly. you know they're and they did another round of it. tests didn't they in the Premier League right uh, they did 900 and something tests of players and staff over the Weekend and they had two positives. Uh, one is a player at Bournemouth. One we don't know, but that's two down from six the previous week. Right. So I think they are feeling pretty uh, positive. Is a funny word to use about the test results. They are feeling pretty confident that things are on track for them to 
return mm. soon. And, and Danny Ceballos appears to have given the game away about when that is. He said in his interview in Spain, which I don't know if you caught, yeah. that they're working towards a June the 20th restart day. Yes. So what's that? That's just, one. Just under well, a month away. So yeah. Three weeks on Saturday. Three weeks on Saturday. Okay. Well, that's not a great deal of time, but I suppose... Um, there is a certain pressure, world. isn't there? Yeah, there is a yeah. certain pressure. I mean, they did haven't... Go on, sorry. Did league this weekend? I didn't. Else? I didn't. Your boys. Your boys went down. They went down 4-0 in the big derby on Friday night against Hertha Berlin. So uh, I can't say that I was massively impacted by that. Um, it's a relief to me. Yeah, I mean, do we have any idea of when the Premier League are going to announce a schedule? Or is that something uh, that will come a bit further down the line when players are sort of back in full training and there's an official announcement? Yeah, I mean, I are the games going to be played in the same order, do we think? That's a really good question. I assume so, for reasons of kind of like integrity. But it's all up in the air because things like the neutral venues thing is still to be finalised about what's happening with that. I know there's a lot of opposition to it, so it probably won't happen. Um, a, lo- a lot of things are yet, are yet to be finalised. I think we'll probably hear that in a couple of weeks. But, I mean, that's a stab in the dark. It would be great to know, though, wouldn't it? It would be great to know this is how often they're playing, mm. this is where they've got to travel to. I mean, from a purely logistical point of view, clubs will need to know that sooner rather than later. Yeah, because, you know, certain games they might fly to, which um, isn't going to be the case. Um, and if you are going to try and keep this controlled environment as much as possible, you know, what do you do with away trips? What, what have we got away? Do we have anything particularly onerous when it comes to an away trip? Um, uh, is Manchester the furthest we're going? Manchester, for sure. Um, let's have a look. Man City, Sheffield United, of course, in the Southampton, Spurs, Aston Villa. So, no, we don't have to go any further north than Manchester. I mean, how long does it take to drive from London to Manchester? Normally about five hours with no cars on the road, probably less. Okay. Let's have a look right now. Uh, If they left from London Colney, which is, bear in mind, just outside London... Uh, London Colney to the Etihad if they went right now it's quite exciting how long do you think I reckon four hours I would have five hours seems a bit long Uh, three and a half hours Etihad Stadium right you're right three hours fifteen ooh okay right so, so that's, I mean, that's it's very e- doable. It's doable depending on the time of the game and what time it kicks off. You know, you travel there on the day, you don't stay overnight because, you know, what's the story with hotels and stuff like mm. that? Um, you know, so a, one way to keep it controlled is, you know, you're going to have to just go up on the day of the game and play, which might be a, another challenge for the team and what have you. We're going to need more than one coach maybe, aren't we? I should think so. I should think so. What if we got like a really long coach, though? <laughs> like the longest coach. We couldn't go coach. around any corners. <laughs> yeah, not all the roads are straight. That would be a problem, all right. Um, but that would be funny. Mm. Uh, did you see the club provided some 
some more detail on what's happening about season tickets yeah. and things like that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it seems to be uh, a fairly well-received um, process in terms of credits versus refunds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They seem to have, you know, covered all, all the bases yeah. there for people who want to get their money back. They can get their money back. It doesn't impact your season ticket if you take a refund. As far as we know, I did see somebody say that they it looked like they were taking an admin fee. Yeah, I but think the I, AST cleared that up. But I couldn't, um, I couldn't see it. They sort of posted a graphic, and I was trying to figure it out. And then numbers made my head hurt, so I stopped looking at it, and I couldn't figure out where the the admin fee was being taken. Um, yeah, somebody messaged me about that too. But then the AST, it's worth checking out their timeline. They sort of were in dialogue with Arsenal about it. Um, and I believe there is no administration fee. And they confirmed that. Right. Good okay. So that's it. What are you going to do in terms of your season well, ticket? Are you going to take a credit ahead of the next one or... Yeah, I think I probably will. I mean, you know, I'm going to keep my season ticket unless um, my financial situation dramatically changes, which it might do. You know, mm. you never know. My current plan is to keep it. And so consequently, uh, I think I'll I'll take the credit. Um, but, you know, a lot of people will think they could use the cash more in the short term, and I completely get that. Mm. Um, but it's good that people have the choice, basically. And... Yeah, it's glad that we've got. I'm glad we got a bit of clarity on that now. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it was. I'm not going to say it was overdue, but it was one of those things I had to get right, and it was a complicated thing. So, you know, it's good that people can can do what they want to do. And of course, there's no. I nobody has any idea of what you know the next season ticket is going to be like, uh, mm. as and as and when it happens. Um, yeah, that. I mean, that's. That's the thing, I suppose, and why a lot of people will go. Well, hang on, you can give me a credit for next season, but what? What is what is next season? What is next season? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, look, we'll we'll wait and see. I suppose things change quicker than you um, quicker than you think in terms of um, what the rules might be and when people might be allowed back in stadiums and, and everything else. So, mm. um, what do you think or what do you make of the uh, the talk from France? A big Le Ten sport uh, exclusive about how. Now that Bayern Munich are not going to sign Felipe, uh, Felipe Coutinho, we are going to have a word with his agent. Well, I mean, I think that's very likely we'll be having a word with his agent about something. Uh, because I heard I heard that Raul and Kia Jurabchin and Edu are all in the same house. They all they self-isolated isolated together. together, yeah. I believe that is correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can say the athletic says... <laughs> 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 the athletic understands yeah. that Kierjeravchen, Raus and Yei, and Edu all live. They are all living in a little house together. <laughs> uh, hey, Edu, Edu, hello. Uh, can you bring me a cup of tea, please? Uh, I'm looking forward to like a million and twi- little Twitter accounts tweeting out that I've said that now in a desperate hope for retweets. <laughs> that was that was funny. I, I sent you a message yesterday. Yeah. 
you, you did a, a very interesting article, you know, and I, I realize you're sort of dealing in the realms of, of massive speculation because nobody really has any idea what the transfer uh, window is going to be like or what the transfer market is going to be like. Nevertheless, yeah. you know, some bits and pieces that you did on The Athletic and, and all the people tweeting out, blah, 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 The Athletic. The Athletic says, The Athletic says, Matteo Genduzzi is to be sold. Uh, but before he's sold, he's going to be horsewhipped and dragged through the town by his hair. Yeah. In about five different languages as well. Yeah. Uh, great power comes great responsibility, I guess. It is very odd because, yeah, the piece... I mean, it, I worked with a guy called Tom Worville who... Uh, used to be at Opta, basically, and he's very good on sort of data visualization. Mm. And you know, there's some really interesting stuff. I mean, the, I mean, it, it won't earn me much popularity saying it, but the 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 Urzel chart is pretty incredible, which sort of tracks his last mm. five years. Uh, and we were talking about you know squad remodeling, and I think I said in passing something like you know potentially Matteo Ganduzi would be an option to be sold, and then before you know it, he is leaving. Fact confirmed. Yeah, you said it. You said it. I said it. I said it. So, so. I'll let, if it does, if it doesn't happen, come for me. <laughs> come for me with your pitchfork. Exactly. You're gonna. They're gonna take your ITK badge off you. <laughs> they, can. they can. And my blue tick. <laughs> um, but I. Yeah. I mean, what were we talking about? Oh, Raul and Kia. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean. I've just done two noises in a row because I don't know what to say. Um, We're going to continue to be linked with players with certain agents representing them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll probably continue to sign some of them. Uh, I mean, I've done it again. I think Cedric Suarez probably can't believe his luck, can he? Like, not only did he get a move to Arsenal, but he got a move to Arsenal on the eve of a pandemic which has sort of completely killed the club financially and probably killed the transfer market and suddenly makes the option of signing him for nothing pretty practical. Yeah. I'd love if he was one of the players who refused to take a pay cut. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm all in here. I don't care what happens. I'm just, you know... Uh, I'd love that too. I, I, my understanding is that Kia's boys all behaved themselves on the pay cut. Um, Did what they were told. You know, you got to keep the keep the technical director, the head of football, sweet. Mm. You know, but uh, yeah, Coutinho is a really interesting one. I know he's a player who sort of. I think people have quite divided opinions on him. I, like, you know, whenever I have written about him or talked about it before, I always get a lot of people saying he's rubbish. Um, I think he's not rubbish. I think he's pretty good and was pretty good for Liverpool and was all right at Bayern last season, as far as I understand it. Uh, but serious money attached to him, you would think. Mm. Well, I mean, if Bayern are, are are turning down the chance to sign him for £105 million, I'm pretty sure that Arsenal, having uh, made their players take a pay cut... Yeah. Uh, to save, you know, £20 million are definitely going to be splashing out even half that for him, you know, between I, between that, Thomas Partey, and whoever knows fucking Upamecano, you know, £150 million, <laughs> no problem. No problem. Stan's all well, in. Stan's given us his, his backing, you know. Mm, yeah. It's not like he just had to take out a £500 million pound dollar loan or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Know, to pay for a stadium for the project he actually gives a shit about. That's already costing $5 billion. $5 billion <laughs> to build a fucking stadium. Come on. Uh. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, look, Arsenal aren't going to pay 100 million for Coutinho, I can tell you that. And, and listen, you can tweet that. You can tweet that. You can quote me on that. Gunner Blog rules out Coutinho move. If Barcelona are trying to get rid of him on loan or just take his wages off, I, uh, would it blow my mind if Arsenal did that? No, because of the relationships that are in place. It kind of would make a certain degree of sense. But I, yeah, I, I, it, it seems almost ludicrous, as you say, to talk about transfers at this time. Mm. Given that, A, we don't know when the window even is, uh, B, how long it'll be, or C, how the hell we're going to spend any money in it. Mm, exactly, exactly. Although I did like the story about uh, AC Milan wanting to give us £10 million for Shkodran Mustafi. I'm on board. I see that. I'm on board with that, you know. Well, it's last chance, isn't it? He's got one year left, so... Um, got to cash in. time to sell Skodra and Mustafa, we've, if you possibly can. We've got to cash in, you know. We've got to we've raise as much revenue. Times. I mean, how many more high-quality players is Raul going to lose for free? Danny Welbeck? I know. Aaron, Aaron Ramsey? And now Mustafi? Get out, Raul. Come on, do your it job, It could be man. the straw that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, look, uh, on that... Um, note of uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, intense credibility I think when it comes to uh, transfer talk we will leave part one and come back with uh, your questions and more in part two right after this Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog and on the Arsblog, uh, the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. Just before we go into the questions, James, there was uh, another mm-hmm. transfer rumor there uh, involving uh, our old friend. Mickey. And some talk of Roma buying Mickey. And in return for Mickey. we would get uh, Justin Clivert. Uh, would you swap your Mickey. for Justin Clivert? 
Yeah, I would, 100%. Didn't I say on this podcast a couple of weeks ago how sad I was that we never signed Patrick Cliver? So yeah. if we sign his son, that's you know, that's not too bad. That's something, isn't it? It is. It is. It's just, you know, a generation too late. But hey, yeah. you know. And a completely different human being with a different football ability. But he's got the same surname. Crucially, I'll be able to get an Arsenal shirt with Cliver on the back. That's all you've ever wanted. He doesn't do something silly like wear Justin on the back, does he? I, I don't not. know. I don't know. No, Cliver on the back of his Roman shirt. That's what you want to see. Yeah. Cliver properly. Shouldn't you be allowed to put whatever you want on the back of your shirt? Wouldn't yeah, it be great I mean, if the players could just, like, have their own, have their nicknames on the back of their shirt? Whatever it might be, you know. Um, well, th- there have been some sort of instances where people wanted that and were denied it. Sesk, uh, for example, was not allowed to use Sesk. He had to have Fabregas, wasn't it? I, I also I believe that Quincy wasn't allowed Quincy on the back of his shirt. He had to have a Wusu Obeyi. And Arsene Wenger said in a press conference, uh, we we want him to be able to use Quincy. It is a star name. Right. Uh, which is an amazing thing to say. Uh, also, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank wanted just Jimmy on his shirt. Yeah. Uh, Deli Alley does have Deli, doesn't he? He doesn't have Ali on the back of his shirt. Right. I think that's because of strained relationships with his father, maybe. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think they've relaxed the rules a little bit. But certainly back in the day, yeah, Sesk was not allowed to have Sesk. Yeah. But I suppose footballers' nicknames is just their name with a y, with a y on the end of it. Mostly, you know. Yeah, true. Smithy. Yeah, Smithy. Thomasy. Yes. <laughs> Merce, I know. Adamsy. You know, Baldy. <laughs> Keone. But you know what um, I mean. There's not, there's not always a great deal of, like, imagination. imagination. Yeah. No, in fact, I was watching on ITV, there's been a programme called Harry's Heroes. Don't know if you're no. aware of it. No. It's Harry Redknapp. It's a second series. So in the first series, he sort of got together a load of former England internationals from the 90s and they played, I don't know, Germany or something. And now in this series, they're on tour in Europe. Ray Parler's in it. Uh, Paul Merson's in it. Right. And it's actually genuinely quite a good watch because it's quite funny watching these and quite touching at times watching these footballers from the 90s sort of attempt to talk about their feelings and engage with emotion and stuff. And they have a good go at it, but it's kind of awkward for them, but it's also quite sweet. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's an all right show and you get to see a bit of football. So they their first game on the tour was against a Mets Legends Eleven, and your friend of mine, Robert Perez, plays for Mets in that game. Okay, yeah, and let me just say, he shows some pretty silky skills. Actually, he of they course. give him a good sort of doing over, uh, and Perez is instrumental to it. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, Neil Razor Ruddock is uh, one of the focal points of the first episode because he his health is in question and he's not taking it seriously, and Paul Merson sort of confronts him about it and says, you know, you're in the same place I was in, you need to sort yourself out. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of weirdly touching yet trashy television. Right. Is it okay Um, all these years later to still think Neil Ruddock is an absolute twat, though? 
I don't think the programme will dissuade you of that opinion. <laughs> uh, I'll put it like that. Well, I'm not going to watch yeah, it, but I'll take your word for it. It is, it is kind of amazing because they do this thing at the start where they weigh all the players and they say, because <laughs> uh, we, we got you all fit, they got them all fit for the first game, right? And that's right. a big part of the show is like, you know, you're going to get yourselves in shape and you've got to look after your bodies. And um, all the players have put on like a stone, two stone, you know, Ruddock's mm. weight is really dangerous. Ray Parler, his weight is pl- practically identical. Of course it is. Of course. The man's a machine. He, ju- Yeah, he is. He is. He's just a well-oiled machine. Just sort of, oh, by the way, go on. follow up on last week. Yeah, uh, I texted Ray Parler at ten fifteen in the morning. Okay, and then by lunchtime, I realised I actually didn't need to speak to him anymore, and I just said, "Don't worry about it, Ray. Sorted it now." And I just got a thumbs up. So, if you're wondering what happened with me, Ray Parler, that's the extent of our interaction. Okay, I had forgotten all about it. So, you know, a lot of people were tweeting me when when he put up videos of him doing cobra bombs or whatever in the garden. A lot of people started tweeting me saying, "Like, ring him now." <laughs> <laughs> good time to talk. Good time to it's talk. Often a good time to talk. You know, but not if he's halfway through filming something on his phone. That would be infuriating for him. It you would know, he be. He set up all the drinks. He's got all the shots lined up. Then suddenly. He's got to have Incoming a he's got to have a spare phone for that kind of thing, doesn't he? You'd have Surely. you'd have a spare phone. Otherwise, you just have to drink all those drinks and start again. Hopefully, and he, he goes wouldn't on airplane that. mode. Surely. Oh yeah, never thought about that. Okay, good idea. Anyway, what are we talking about? Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, we were talking about Neil Ruddock. Names on back on shirts, nicknames. Yeah. What was the question? Don't know. Okay. Here's a question, though. It comes from Father Ted Arse, at Father Ted Arse yeah. uh, on Twitter. Careful now. Uh, he says, Arsenal have been making a lot of fuss about Bukayo Saka on social media this week. Is it a sign of him signing, or are they just messing with our emotions? Similarly, Ben Constable, who's at Arsenal double six double four, says, Hi, guys. Did you see the Arsenal Instagram post with Bukayo Saka and the caption, Just getting started. I was convinced it meant he'd signed a new deal. What were your thoughts? I don't know why I paused there after the word your. I think it's because I what said the word your you're quite funny. It came out funny. What I were your you. thoughts? <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that. I mean, I will say that just two weeks before, was it, Saka himself put up a little video on his social feeds uh, about his exploits for Arsenal this season and everyone thought that meant a new contract signing was imminent too. I did make some inquiries about this last week and was told nothing has changed. So uh, I don't think we're on the eve of a, an announcement. But if, like okay, that. maybe nothing has changed. Mm. But could that mean that he's already signed a new deal and they're just not announcing it and nothing can change because the deal has been signed? So... Is that foolish? It is. No, uh, uh, I, I don't think that's what's happening. Right. But um, I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible. I, I, it is a strange sort of social media strategy, isn't it? I mean, they are. They have gone big on Saka this week. Mm. What, what do you make of it? I mean, I feel like, okay, look, you got to bash out the content and all that kind of stuff, but they must... No, I mean, look, the guys that run the Arsenal social media, uh, you know, they're smart guys. Um, So they know how something like that will be 
perceived or people will be looking to read between the lines, you know? Mm. Um, so when you put something like that up, do you do it because you've got some information? Is it part of a long tease that eventually they're going to just, you know, put up a picture of a pen? Then the next day they'll put up a picture of a sack. <laughs> and then the next day they'll put up a picture of, you know, a blank contract. And they'll be going, pen, sack, contract. Oh, <gasps> Pen, Saka, contract, that kind of thing. Maybe that's part of what it is, part of a big social media strategy. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I hope so. I mean, because I I'd like say- him to sign. I mean, why have it? I mean, why wouldn't they, when there's been nothing else to do in this period, these last eight weeks or ten or however long it's been, why wouldn't they have made attempts to secure his future? Because, you know, it's not as if you can say, well, we're just taking it game by game. We're focusing on training and the games at the moment, you know, rather than uh, contractual discussions. As if that was in any way, any kind of excuse anyway, which always used to drive me mad. No, we're just focusing on the games. We can't discuss a new contract. You don't even have to do anything. Just get the fucking agent and get the contract guy and let them sit down and agree everything. And, you know, nobody has to do anything apart from at the end of it. You've got to take a picture and look happy, you know? So I don't know. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, maybe he doesn't want to sign. I, and that, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know that. Don't but, say that. <laughs> but it, maybe they are trying, and maybe it's not going well. I mean, that's also a possibility, I think, mm. given how in demand. I mean, we've got to look at the fact that he's got the same representation as Jane Sancho, and they were very happy to take him out of City, albeit because he wasn't playing. Um, Josh Madden left Sunderland, Alex Awobi left Arsenal. I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's clearly of massive importance, isn't it, that we sign mm. Sakura? I mean... Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if... Uh, and I'm throwing this out there as a, you know, a hypothetical. If we can't convince Bakayo Saka to sign a new contract at Arsenal, I would fire everybody apart mm. from Mikel Arteta. Because, mm. okay. you know, he gets a pass. But those people in charge of running the football club should be fired forever. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's entirely reasonable uh, because, you know, it's not the most difficult thing uh, to do, to get a promising young player to commit his future to the club at which he has grown up uh, and at which he's getting lots of opportunities. I don't think there's any excuses whatsoever for failure in this particular um, situation. No, they've got to do it. They've got to do it. I mean, he's a massively important player for us already. Mm. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. I'd also get I'm them wrong. beaten up. I'd also have them beaten up. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'd hire a couple of burly You'd henchmen. send someone to Edu and Raul and Kia's house. Yeah, yeah. Knock on the door. <laughs> Knock on the door, Yeah. I would, I'd be, yeah, I'd have them thrashed to within an inch of their lives. Okay, well, I don't think it'll come to that. You never know, James. You never know in football. <laughs> that's what they say about football. That is what they say. You'll, nev- you'll never know. you never know. But look, uh, that's just worst case scenario. I'm just having a moment. I'm sure, given our track record, 
we're dealing with uh, players coming towards the end of their contracts that everything will be fine. Yes, exactly. You you can forgive our fears and paranoia, I think, in that context. <laughs> um, do you? Ha- I like this question. Go on, Patreon, Discord. Sorry, Cluck the Rotisserie Chicken says from his spit. Do you have any controversial opinions that you think would go against the opinion of the average Arsenal fan? Example: loving Samir Nasri, thinking that Burkamp is overrated, preferring the Emirates to Highbury having a favourite Spurs player, etc. I want to hear your darkest Arsenal secrets. Dun, dun, dun. Um, God, I'm trying to think of any. I think... Mm. I certainly don't love Samir Nasri. That's for sure. I yeah. definitely don't have a favourite Spurs player. What were the other ones? Burkamp is overrated. No, clearly not overrated let me think I God it's very difficult actually that's a difficult question I, I understood think, oh, oh. Sebastian Skrilacci <laughs> what do you mean I just mean that people when we signed or after it started going on we going oh what a rubbish signing and I always thought like when you looked at it you know, it looked like a pretty decent signing on paper. And he's always sort of held up as this sort of dreadful signing. And look, it did not work out at all. Let's be clear about that. It didn't work. But he came via Monaco, Leon, and Sevilla, where he had like won trophies and been a successful player. And how old was he at the time when he signed for us? 30, something like that, you know. Yeah. You're you're buying a, a pretty experienced international player who's played in France, he's played in Spain. Um, he, uh, you know, was part of the French team for, for a while, going to come in and shore things up and everything else. And it was sort of like, well, why did we buy this guy? I understood why we bought him. Um, it just didn't really work out at all. And I sort of remember reading an interview with him afterwards where he talked about, like, life as a an Arsenal central defender was kind of yeah. terrifying yeah. and what have you. So, yeah. But that's not particularly controversial, is it? I mean, it's not like I'm saying he was a great player or anything like that, but... No. Um, I've got loads of these because I have such terrible opinions. Okay, uh, come on. Hit me, hit me, hit me. So I think... <laughs> I think Pascal Sigan was misunderstood. That's one uh, I can I can see, yeah. Yeah. Like kind of on the same basis as Squilacci. You know, he arrived I think he was like in the team of the year in France when he arrived. Mm. Uh he'd helped Lille into the Champions League. He was their captain. Um and he he was slow. Like, you know, but mm-hmm. so was Permer Saka. So were, uh, I'm, I don't remember how quick Steve Bold was, but I imagine not exactly lightning fast. Uh, and I think that he sort of suffered stylistically, but he was still part of the squad who uh, won the FA Cup in 2003. Mm. When um, He played 18 games in the Invincibles season. Uh, Anchored the defence during that 5-1 uh, win over uh, Inter Milan. 
Yeah, so I think <laughs> when we talk about, I mean, weirdly, like, I think the sort of modern era of disastrous Arsenal centre-halves tends to be kind of Squillacci, Silvestre, and I think Sigan gets lumped in with that, but I think he's a little bit a victim of the fact that he was sort of maybe one of the weaker players in an exceptionally strong squad, but yes. I think he's probably a lot better than some of our other defenders we've had since. I think that's... I'm um, Yeah, I wouldn't consider that terribly controversial. Controversial, okay. Um, I think... I mean, I'm not one of those people who sort of has fully forgiven Ashley Cole. Have you? Did you see his interview uh, that he did over the weekend? I saw snippets of it, and I just sort of thought it was... It was a bit of a retelling of the narrative, you know? Sure, yeah. Which I understand. You know, there was some is, concession, wasn't there? You know, um, but I just... Which was interesting just, yeah. as well, given that he had already told that narrative in his book. Yeah. So, so it's sort of... The fact that the narrative we had of it exists is primarily down to him and his ghostwriter. You know, the whole swerved off the road thing, they are his words. Mm. Didn't he say something about how when Thierry Henry left, that was an issue for him? And yeah. he left before Thierry Henry. Mm. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's not ideal. Did you see the thing on that note, by the way, from Tony Pulis saying, uh, Patrick Vieira told me that we were the hardest team to play against. He always feared coming to Stoke. And Patrick Vieira left English football three years before Stoke was promoted to the Premier League. Oh, they're fucking full of shit, these guys, aren't they? Um, I... It's a tricky one, this. It's a tricky one. I, I, I feel like I still hold more... I still hold a kind of blackened and hurt place in my heart for Emmanuel Adebayor. Um... And I think that's probably my guiltiest, my guiltiest secret as an Arsenal fan. Go on, what? What, you still like him? <sighs> I don't know that I like him. I always admired him as a player. I always thought he was really good, even when people uh, really were down on him in his mm. time at Arsenal. And he did, you know, miss plenty of chances. But I kind of had this... He kind of had that Aubameyang thing of, like, he, he got so many. It was kind of incredible mm. that he would get so many chances. And when he left, I it was unpleasant, but I do feel that some of what was aimed at him about sort of being lazy and just being about money, I think I think to an extent some of that was true, but I also felt that maybe it was a little bit simplistic. And I think that he, how can I put it? Did you see that Alex Song interview recently? Yeah, where he said when Barcelona were offering him all that money, he went, "Yeah, of course," and just went kind, for the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, in a way, it's sort of shocking. But then, in, on another hand, I'm like, I, I do think sometimes with footballers, you have to think about where they've come from and and what mm. football is to them. And I just thought, from Adebayor's case, like he had been on this extraordinary journey and yes he should have appreciated Arsenal's and Arsene Wenger's part in that more uh, but I kind of also understood him being in a situation where he took the money as well mm. do you know what I mean yeah I also read an interesting thing John Smith who is an agent wrote a book called The Deal with James Olley and they were saying that uh, they were talking about the Adebayor deal in that to Manchester City I think Mark Hughes was the manager at the time and Arsenal 
negotiated a pretty good fee for Adebayo in the end. Mm. I think it was about £25 million. And at the very last minute, according to this agent, Adebayo told Arsene Wenger, I don't want to go, actually. I want to stay at Arsenal. And Arsene Wenger had to sort of very politely but firmly say, I think we're past that point, really. Right. And send him on his way. And I found that it was a great example of where Arsene... You know, everyone th- talks about Arsene Wenger as quite soft, but he could, he also knew where he had to draw the line. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's sort of my little guilty pleasure about Adebayo. Okay. But, like, uh, I certainly don't have any of the opinions. You know, I don't think Burkamp was overrated. I don't think... I, I think people who think Burkamp was overrated often sort of look at his stats. They're like, yeah. well, he didn't score that many goals, did he? Um, and I think that is to misunderstand what he brought to the team. Sure. best. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, is it my... It's your question. It's my question. Okay, here is one um, from Fenny, who's also on the Discord, and says, Hey, lads, who do you think is Arsenal's greatest one-season wonder? Yeah, a one-season wonder. I mean, I think my answer is actually Andrea Sharvin, in that he was pretty sensational, in his first six months and never really did it again to that level. As I remember it. Yeah. He didn't even do a full season. I mean, he started the second season okay, but it it tailed away. Um, I'm trying to think who else would be in there. Maybe Coquelin for a little while. Yeah, kind of had that kind of thing where he came in and was you know aggressive and worked very well with Santi Cazorla when we had that injury crisis. You remember he was on loan at Charlton or something like that, mm-hmm. and you know sort of established himself um, really quickly um, as an important part of of that midfield at that mm-hmm. time without being you know the greatest player of all time. Like when I think of one season one, as I think of someone like um, Michael Ricketts. No. Yeah, I mean, some would probably say Adebayo in that he had the one thirty goal season, mm. but he did have effective contributions either side of that. I mean, in that thirty goal season, you know, Matthew Flamini's one season in two thousand and eight was mm. brilliant, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and he never quite replicated that. Cockland, I know what you mean. I kind of feel I've always sort of felt that Cockland didn't get worse because Orla just went away. Was sort of what happened there. Yeah, in my mind. I'm trying to think of other people who, like, was there ever like a young player who had a season and sort of didn't really deliver afterwards? Or um, it's hard to think, isn't it? It is. I mean, a bit. I guess the ultimate one season wonder um, is someone who was only there for a season, but that's not really what they mean. They mean someone who who was good who for shone. a season, yeah, who shone for a season and then. Mm. It's difficult. I think uh, Davor yeah, Suker. Davor Suker, yeah. Julio Baptista. Well, Yossi Benayoun, yeah. They mm. were, they were one season wonders by their very nature. Um, well, you know, wonder in inverted commas, right there. Yes, I guess. Uh, let's have a little look through. I always feel like Nazri was kind of not a one season wonder, but had a period of maybe four months where he was really, really good. And right. pretty much everything around that wasn't not brilliant or anything. Yeah. You know, I always felt like that purple patch 
was what people thought of, you know, as his true level. But it wasn't really. I mean, he was capable of it, but he was only capable of it for a short period of time. He never replicated yeah. it. No, not to any great extent, did he? Mm. Um, I'm just having a look. I mean, this feels very... Uh, I mean, was Thomas Vermaelen a bit of a one-season wonder? I don't know that he was... I mean, his goal scoring was a bit yeah. wondrous, wasn't it? Because mm. I think that's what people... Uh, that's what caught the eye about Vermaelen was his uh, goal scoring because he could just spank them in from 25, 30 yards, which he did, mm. what, five or six times in his first season? Mm. And everyone went, whoa, this is a fucking great development, a central, a central defender who can, who can really score goals. But, you know, the defending part of it wasn't great. Yeah. As we came to discover. Yeah, I think... Uh I think, I mean, there, there are other players who had injuries. You know, someone like Eduardo, for example, mm. was really exciting, wasn't he? And then yeah. hurt out by injury. But I think that's a bit unfair to, to label him with that. Um, OK, let's have another question. OK, this was also from the Discord. It's kind of a, a similar style of question. Gerald Obi said, Who has been Arsenal's most versatile player? And he cites Gilberto shotting, slotting in as centre-back and Ljungberg up top. Mm. Um, who has been a really effectively versatile player at Arsenal? That's a really good question because sometimes versatility is a bit of a, a problem. Yeah, um, I mean, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, it's the, the, the one I was thinking of, yeah. He played, well... Both wings, both wing-back positions, centre midfield, mm. defensive midfield, attacking midfield. He was very versatile um, and I think relatively decent in most of those. You know, I feel I think it did sort of hinder him in some respects. Yeah. But, Who's yeah. the most versatile? I, I you know, it depends how you quantify it. Granit Xhaka is seen as versatile because he's played centre-half, he's played central midfield, he's played left-back. This season, True. you know, um, but would you say that that makes him a great option in your squad? I mean, it's I suppose it's been handy, but it depends how you're rating, isn't it? It depends mm. if you're looking at it like who can cover the most positions or who did a really good job in both. Like Gilberto is a good example because he actually was pretty decent as a centre half. And on on that note, I'd also like to mention Bakary Sanya, who. I think in another life could have been a centre half. Well, he no. did play a couple of times at centre half, didn't he? I yeah, remember yeah. at least yeah, one game really where good. he was where he was fantastic. And Sanya could play at left back as well. He played left back um, more than once. So you know, in terms of defensive uh, versatility, he had it. Whereas you look at someone like. Callum Chambers, for example, who can play at right back, but it's not really his best position. You know, I think when you put central defenders at fullback, you you they hate it for a start. Mm. Pretty much every single one of them hates it. Like remember Vermalen complaining about being played at left back, Gallus complaining about being played at left back. You know, Carlo not- Torre was pretty good. Uh, in fairness to him, I think. Yeah, I always felt Torre could be could have been a good right back as well. Um, yeah, yeah, like he 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 was good when he played there, and there was talk about him 
playing more mm. there. And to be fair to him, he played a lot of positions for Arsenal, particularly early on. What about forwards? I mean, can we say Aubameyang is versatile because he plays left, yeah. centre and right? I think so. Danny Welbeck mm. uh, could play both left and centre pretty well. Yeah. Um, Alexis played through the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played on the left. Um, and on the and right he, for a while. Played, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and in his time, Perez played a lot. Of, you know, he played on the left. I saw him play on the right. I saw him play in the middle. Um, not too often in the middle, to be fair. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we've had a lot of pretty versatile. I mean, in terms of sort of pure versatility, I mean. Oxlade Chamberlain is a great example of someone who played a lot of different roles. I mean, Nelson Vivas did too, but he was pretty terrible in all of them, as far as I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Okay. Here's a question. Norm McLaughlin, who's at FSU uh, Norm on Twitter, says KSC racking up more debt with the new LA Stadium price tag now five billion dollars, as we mentioned earlier, might not bode well for future Arsenal spending. But from the Facebook page comes a question from James Costello. Any chance KSE might have to sell to fund the completion of the LA Stadium? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I guess it's not impossible, uh, but they've got to find a buyer as mm. well, which for a company worth a couple of billion pounds... Uh, previously. Previously. Mm. May not be particularly easy. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, are, they do have a financial problem with that stadium. I, I'm not saying... I mean, Stan independently is enormously wealthy, but I... Uh, certainly through his wife, but I, I'm not necessarily certain that he's going to, you know, be happy to put his hand in his pocket and bail mm. out these various different franchises. There was a very good episode of the Arsenal Vision podcast where they had Giant Gooner on and they yeah. chatted about the KSE ownership. And, uh, yeah, I think very detailed and very much worth a listen. I Do you think he, they would sell? I mean... If you'd asked me There's before no this, yeah. if you'd asked but me before this, I would have said no, no chance. They're not going to sell. They will never sell. They hold on to their franchises. But, you know, with how many teams have they got? I mean, they've got the the Rams. They've got the NBA. The Denver they've got Nuggets. the NFL. They've got the NHL um, team. They've got an MLS team. That's four. They've got a lacrosse team. Which takes them to five, mm, and they've got, they got themselves a, a couple of esports teams, and they've got uh, KSC have a lot of retailers. Uh, you so. see, the the esports team will prop everything up because you know I'm everything sure will be, be esports take now. Over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have said just impossible. It's it's hard to know um, quite what's going to happen financially, but I suppose the I suppose the the sort of financial impact of this on football and the, the the need for owners of football clubs to maybe prop up uh you know the teams the wage bills all of that kind of stuff might have an impact on on their uh, how they view arsenal as an ongoing concern whether it might be worth something or it might be worth their while to sort of cash in at a point where they can mitigate the the losses that they foresee uh, the club making in the future until such time as things get back to normal, whatever that might be. I mean, the the other thing that strikes me 
Um, you know, and I'm I'm not sure that you know the idea of KSE selling up is going to. You know, I doubt there are too many people out there going, oh, no, I hope that doesn't happen. You know, Mm. but at the same time, I wonder if the arse falls out of everything, what kind of people will be circling, you know, the the vultures, uh, the financial vultures that exist to take advantage of various crises in, in all kinds of industries? Who might you get? In, uh, you know, in the wake of a sale, it might not be better. That's the other yep. thing. The assumption Better that, devil, that know, just be- yeah, and I'm not I'm not advocating for KSE in any way. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that the idea that everything would be better if we had a different owner isn't necessarily the case. It really depends on who might buy it. So yeah, and also if football is kind of going to be financially leveled almost by what's happening, then mm. maybe. KSE's ownership is less of a factor in determining our success or not at mm. that point. I, I, I basically think that given that they treat their franchises almost like property in terms of investments, you know, I, I'd be surprised if they sold at a low in the market, which is presumably where we are right mm. now. And I think that there's so much to shake out around football, the whole structure of the Premier League, the Champions League, the possibility of the European Super League. I suspect they'll definitely want to hold on and kind of see and be part of those discussions and the politics of it and see how that shakes out and how it affects their investment before they Mm. make any big decisions. Okay. Um, I think I'm sort of out of questions, really. I've sort of cut... I think the other ones I'd picked, you've already asked me. Okay. Final uh, one from Obman Kenobi, who says, if you could design your ideal Arsenal kit, what would it be? Manufacturer, shirt sponsor, colour or no colour? Striped socks or not? What colour would you choose for the third kit after obligatory yellow four away, obviously? Great question. Actually, do you know what? What? This might be one of my controversial Arsenal opinions because I have loved the Adidas stuff mm-hmm. and they've really, I thought the marketing was all brilliant and it really was excellent. Mm. But I I can't shake the fact that I, when I was really getting into the team, they it was sort of with the Nike kits in the 90s. Mm. And so I think I have sort of a bit more slightly more of an emotional connection to those actually so i would probably like i really love the kind of uh is it the sort of lightning stripe look that we had in like 97 is it 97 do you know the one i mean yeah um hang on arsenal kit history there must be a website yeah there is a nice website this i think it's 96 is it yeah uh, I'll just have a look. Just loading up the pictures. The one with the collar. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that. I do like that, 95, 96. Um, so I would probably go for, like, a, an iteration of that. But the only... my But with pure white sleeves, I don't like any sort of, like... No. White and red on the sleeves. No flourishes. Um... And that's got hooped socks, the 95, 96, and I quite like the red and white hoop socks. I love the red and white hoop socks. So would you have those? In oh, market? yeah. For and sure. Would you have Adidas? Um, I'm not particularly wed to um, 
a manufacturer, really. Okay. I like some of the Adidas stuff, of course. I like some of the Nike stuff. And, you know, I know people grew to dislike Puma, but I quite liked one or two of the early Puma kits. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. quite like them. Uh, it, to me, it's They're more They're all about, good early on. They to, all start yeah, well. Yeah, they all start well. Then they get experimental. They um, run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm more about the simplicity of the, the, the colour schemes for me. Right. So, uh, you know, red body, white sleeves, nothing complicated. I'm not mad for trim, blue trims or anything like that. Don't yeah. give me that. Give me red and white. Give me yellow and blue for the away kit. Would you have collar or no collar? What's your preference? I think collar for me. Mm, yeah. No, no collar for me. I prefer a football shirt without a collar. Okay. Because you know it's like uh, a ponytail. People can just sure. grab it. So sure. I don't. I don't um, think it's wise. Away kit, what are you talking, yellow and blue? Yellow and blue, classic yellow and blue, 1979 FA Cup final colours, that's it. I will not countenance any any uh, deviation from that for me. It's just embedded in my brain as the most perfect Arsenal away kit. So yellow, blue, uh, you know, uh, yellow and blue shirt with the... Uh, that's got a collar though, doesn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you can you have can colour on the away. Collar. can have a collar on the away. Let's do okay. that. Give everyone okay. a bit of everything. What would you do for the third kit? Uh, well, a way, just to clarify, would be I'd, I'd want to go for like the 95, 96 blue away with the lightning stripes, but change so it's yellow and blue. That's my ideal. Um, right. And for the third, I don't like white, as you can imagine. Um... I think, do you know what, actually? I really liked, was it a Puma kit? Yeah, the black Puma kit mm. with the electric pink trim. I really liked that. So I'd go for black, I think. I would similarly go for something like a dark, yeah. a dark grey, but I do think, I do think the greatest um, international kit there is. Um, is Peru. Yeah, lovely kit. The white, I don't know if it's, I mean, it's their home kit or home or whatever, but the white shirt with the, the red stripe down it, brilliant. Are we getting away with that, red and white? No, we're getting like, um, we're getting like a, a dark, but I think with like a white stripe down it, or maybe nice. even a red stripe down it. Yeah, so yeah, do yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then oh, maybe, yeah, cool. yeah. Anyway, something like that. There is a kit that looks like that. It's like dark with a red stripe. I don't know. I can't remember who that is. Mm. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's a, quite a fun game. Oh, 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 would you have no sponsor or a sponsor? Oh, a sponsor. I mean, you kind of have to. We've done this with the Canon thing and, and everything else. Um, but, you know, no sponsor if possible. Would be would be great. No sleeve sponsor. Definitely. Yeah. Not. Get the old visit Rwanda off. Um, who would we get to sponsor it? I mean, there's only one choice. There is only one choice that I can think of right now. Tuck crackers. Correct. 
Correct. Because, you know, what else could it what else could it possibly be? Totally crackers. Um Okay. Right, we've designed the kits. Somebody make them happen when football returns and everyone yeah. will be or Photoshop them up, that'd be lovely actually. Oh yeah. There are people who do amazing stuff with the photoshops on kits, aren't they? So good. Incredible. They look brilliant. Um Anyway, look, we'll wait and see what next season's kits look like. Uh, I think there are some some somebody some images. I saw a post. <laughs> I saw a post. It was like exclusive pictures of Arsenal's new kits, and it was like a drawing. Somebody had done mm. drawings of somebody in the kits. It was like, ah, oh, come on, is this where we are now? Can we not even get leaked photos from a you know a sports shop somewhere? Uh, that, that put them on display before they should have anyway right mm. we'll uh, we'll go I think I'm hungry oh eat something I, I will that's usually <laughs> what I do I'm a problem solver what can I say well done you came out with that very quickly it's almost like you've given that kind of advice before um, sure. alright look we will uh, catch you on the next one folks um, have a good week and any uh, football developments we'll you know cover them on the site and all the rest so until then take it easy Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.